Welcome. We trust you will be encouraged by this message from Mahesh and Bonnie Chavda by Chavda Ministries International. Real love, real people, real power. I want to turn to Scripture, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. We'll look at verse 9 through 11. And it says, For you remember, brethren, our labor and toil for laboring night and day, that we might not be a burden to any of you. We preach to you the gospel of God. You are witnesses, and God also, how devoutly and justly and blamelessly we behaved ourselves among you who believe. As you know how we exhorted and comforted and charged every one of you as a father does his own children. So that's, I wanted to just, here it says, we exhorted and comforted and charged as a father does his own children. And we want to just hover around that for a little bit. And we send, as I mentioned, blessings on the Florida lawmakers. And I pray this will spread to every state because uh, this legislation, it'll fund programs that promote responsible fatherhood and support male role models, most common outcomes for children growing up in homes with absent fathers. Results it, by all the studies the last several decades that it results the absence of fathers really, really encourages the poverty, depression, incarceration, uh, falling behind in school, school dropouts. And, and the legislation will give grants to fathers to help train them in a bill where they can be employed, train them in employment. Uh, areas of opportunity, child support problems, health care, helping parenting skills, help encourage fatherhood. Uh, and this, the House passed this unanimously, Republicans and Democrats. No one disagreed, and it was 117 to 0. It was really an example, and quite prophetic, way back. I mean, since this is Black, Black History Month, I thought I would mention this, that a lot of the damage we see was done to the black community. But in the 50s, uh, 40s and 50s, the black community was one of the healthiest part of society. It was not until some legislation that was well-intentioned, I believe, in the uh, in the mid-60s onward that uh, messed with welfare and all of that may really put confusion in society where it what they they never wanted this to happen but it encouraged fathers to not take their responsibilities and so it devastated some of these many of these families so that Many, especially in the black families, that they say sometimes almost 70% in some, some areas in the United States that lack fathers. So I just thought we would bless this development in our society, that fathers would supernaturally, by the Holy Spirit himself, because God himself emphasizes the blessings of fathers. Of course, we t accept mothers. They have the blessing we have from mothers. But uh, fathers, we took for granted what they did, and now it has affected many parts of society. And uh, it says that uh, as we pray, well, I'll give, share some of the scriptures, uh, but this key part of our society. May the Lord give fresh power. I, I'm sensing that there are certain things happening in our nation 
And it, it really, we were more than 45 years ago, almost 15 maybe in some branches, that the wave of the Holy Spirit came uh, in such an amazing power that it left no, no denomination untouched. It was not just one church. It wasn't just one denomination. But every denomination was renewed. And part of it is that will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and turn the hearts of the children to fathers before the great day of the Lord. So that promise, I will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children, that is a part of the blessing of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. So I say, Lord, turn the hearts once again supernaturally let the Holy Spirit come and do an amazing thing in our society. And uh, I just, it is so amazing. Sometimes, sometimes it may not be uh, a father. He may not be missing. But it may be a coach or a teacher. How many of you experienced you had uh, amazing strength given to you by a teacher or a coach? Just raise your hands where you are. Look around you. Look, just raise it up, way up so people see it all around. See, that, that is, thank God. And we bless the memories of those coaches and teachers and uh, other people, neighbors sometimes, or relative, an uncle that comes in and helps you. Um, my a lot of my, I remember my dad passed away when I was five years old. He was, I mean, a day of mourning was declared over that nation, in that nation. When my dad passed away, I was too young to know about that. But uh, I had others who came in and became substitute dads. And among them in the later days, when I'd, I'd kind of grown up, but still amazing influence was Brother Derek Prince, who really became one of my spiritual fathers. And so you can have pastors as spiritual fathers, as well as coaches and teachers. So may we be blessed by all of those, and we thank the memory of some of them. I've, I've read the testimony, testimony during Black History Month of some of the great leaders even today among the from the black society and a lot of them point how to maybe if the father was missing the coach came in and filled that gap or a great teacher and so we want to recognize that and say thank you lord um, and if you will remember how many of you remember it it was a fictionalized version version of a Somewhat of a true story. Uh, there was a in the true story. There was a whole family. There were five sons, I believe, that were because they were family. They were put on the one ship, but that ship was attacked, and all the five, I believe, or four sons were were lost, and it was a major thing. And uh, I believe General Marshall put out a instruction that they should, this should never happen. That, that, that from then on, they tried not to put family members on the same, like same vessel, like a same submarine or a, or a ship. Because he said that, and then if there is only one member left, that they should be excused from the armed forces and they would require that. And on, based on that, they made a movie called Saving Private Ryan. Have you, how many of you saw that, remember, Saving Private Ryan? It was quite a notable uh, movie, and uh, this small force is sent out to s save Ryan because he's, several members of his family had been killed in different parts of the Second World War, and this little force is sent in to save Ryan, because he's, he's the surviving member. And then one of the examples of real fatherhood is, was 
played by Hank. What's his name? Huh? Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks. Sorry, yeah. I put the name first. Anyway, but at the conclusion, he looks at Ryan and said, and he saw all the people who had laid down their lives. And he looks at Ryan and says, earn this, earn this. So we know in our, as we grow up that people have sacrificed and that part of it we need to live boldly with the values that are exalted in the Bible, that are values recommended to us by the Lord himself. These are things that we need to live by. And in a sense, you can't earn these blessings, but yet behave ourselves so that it brings glory to the name of some of those people we look to, whether they are dads or they are uh, coaches or teachers. But it says in Proverbs 22, 6, it tells us, that bring up a child and part of the can you get me Proverbs 22 yeah well speak it out she has memorized most of the Bible bring up a child in the way they should go and when they are old they will not depart from it. I mean, that's a basic one that all of us have learned. And basically, according to the Word of God, it's telling the father to be the first teacher of your child and yeah. pray that grace will come on your children when they're raising up their children, mm -hmm. that they be, by example, by going, to, attending to church, having godly, Christ-like values, they are the first, basically the first teacher of their child. And then the other aspect of the father is 1 Timothy 5, 8, that the one that you are a heathen if you don't provide for your family. So part of the duty of a father or a parent is see that their provision has been made and that the dads need to live in such a way that they exemplify the, the standards of the Lord Jesus himself. And I think that um, one of the indicators of how far we have allowed our society and our culture to slip is the fact that a legislature would be putting forward a bill to pay men to do what theoretically by nature a, a man is designed to do as a father. And if I can make a comment on something that you mentioned earlier um, regarding the uh, initiation of the welfare system and unfortunately infamously Lyndon Johnson is on record of speaking into a hot mic after the institution of all of the welfare thing of his uh, determination and assurance that the institution of that system would destroy the African-American family and literally wipe them out from America. He was an abject racist, and the welfare system was designed specifically to destroy the African-American family. And here we are these decades later that he got exactly what he wanted. So for me, there is an anti-racist spirit also embedded possibly in this legislation. But there has to be a second part as it begins to take hold, and that would be that from within the black community, men would literally, and it is happening now, we're so thankful for that, uh, but, but men would literally from within the black community begin to rise 
and speak the truth and lead and be the influences. And I think in that context, I know that we've had the opportunity to uh, talk about some of these things at length with, with uh, the Parkers, with Joey, um, who's engaged in a master's program right now and wrote a beautiful paper uh, just recently um, for that, got an A or a hundred or something on it. But um, in, in our conversation, I, I had asked Joey, um, you know, who were a couple of the examples of godly fathers, of powerful uh, men that had inspired him. And Joey, are you, do you want to say something next week or are you ready to make a comment and fit it into this piece? I'll leave that to you. To now or later? Come on, there's, there's the microphone. And let's just keep in mind, stay in this, the theme of the Holy Spirit this morning Mike, about baby. fatherhood. Yeah, there should be a, a live mic right, right back there. Joey, did you get it? Oh, okay, thank you. Say fatherhood. It is a spirit and it comes from God. It's, it's, an, it's a, an identification that comes from God. And theoretically... Our elected leaders, certainly in this nation and in the biblical revelation, the people who are put in charge as leaders are intended by God to carry the spirit of fatherhood, and that is something that we can go into, but it has been greatly departed from in our elected leaders. Okay, I'd like to uh, start out. We know February is Black History Month, and... Uh, we would like to recognize Carter uh, G. Woodson. He was an American educator, and he was the founder of the Black History Month, and were agreed to by the presidents and Congress that February will be Black History Month because that's when Frederick Douglass was born in February, was an abolitionist and black leader, and Lincoln also was born in February. And uh, also, uh, getting back to some of the stats, and this is a stat that you can look up for yourself. During the, uh, after they ended slavery and they passed the 13th Amendment, one of the first things the black people did that was separated by slavery from their families, they went and found their families. From 1875 all the way up to 1960, they found their families and they got back together with their families. Uh, part of the reason that the book, uh, many of you are familiar with the book, Uncle Tom's Cabin? Yeah. Well, it was a book that I recommend everyone to read. And in Uncle Tom's Cabin, it was written a lot in cold, but with a guy named Jeremiah Henson, who was Uncle Tom. And she one called his name, but he was uh, a mediator. He was a go-between. He taught the slaves how to read to write. He kept slaves from getting beat to death. And what made him break away and run away from that role as a mediator, he saw black families being separated. And he escaped to Canada. And he had his own underground railroad. In Canada, the black people were slavery in, in Canada. And he helped over 300 black people escaped to Canada, and at the same time, we had Harriet Tubman that helped, you know, uh, ran the Underground Railroad along with the Quakers, you know, that helped black people escape to Ohio in different places to freedom. And uh, i just like to quote a couple of stats uh, from the time that the 13th Amendment was passed that ended slavery. Uh, up to 1960s, and even during the Jim Crow time, uh, the black families, and this quote is accurate quote for black families and white families, and up to 1960, only 10% of black families had children out of wedlock. Only 9% of white families had children out of wedlock. Yeah. <laughs> okay? So it had not, Jim Crow didn't separate families, okay? but it kept the black family closer together. 
But when uh, Johnson said on an open mic, he used the N-word, he said, I, I would have them to uh, vote Democratic for the next 400 years. And he didn't know his mic would open when he was doing that. But that's a part of history that you can look up. And uh, today, this is an accurate stat. And I quote both stats, Carl, for the sake of not offending. But today, 79% of black people are born out of wedlock. Mm. That's from 1960 to now. And the stat for white people is over 55%. Yeah. So we see we had that problem with both races. And uh, for uh, Black History Month, I picked this lady named Bessie Coleman. And I think my wife picked a lady called Clarice Reed. That, and the reason I picked her was because she could be an inspiration to all races. And she was born in 1893, and she died in 1926. And she was the first American, African American and the first Native American to, fly, to have a pilot's license or to fly a plane. And she got to pick both races because her father was African American and he was part Native American. And his mother was black American. Her mother was black American. And uh, at Bessie Coleman, at the age of seven, her father went to Oklahoma. He left the family. And uh, Susie Coleman, her mother had 13 children. And at the age of seven, Bessie Coleman, she began working in the cotton fields, and she began uh, doing laundry to help take care of the family. And uh, at the same time, she got a high school education under these circumstances. Wow. And then because she wasn't able to f find employment, she, some of her brothers at that time had grew up and moved to Chicago. And she went to Chicago to live with uh, one of her brothers. And by that time, World War I took place. And they went in the military, and several of her brothers served in France. And uh, they came back, and they, and she became, she went to a school. She went to the uh, Burma School of Beauty. And she became a manicurist in a barber shop. But she wasn't satisfied with that line of work. And her brothers told her about in France where the women of color and women in general had freedom and that the women in France could become pilots or anything they wanted to do. So that inspired her to be, want to become a pilot. And she put in applications in several of the schools. And because she was female, because she was black, then you though know, she wasn't able to, uh, they weren't allowed to attend no flight school in America. But around that same time, it was uh, another African-American. He was a famous newspaper publisher. His name was uh, Robert Abbott. He told her about uh, that it would be better for her to go to France and she could uh, get into a school to fly. So, and so she began to save money to go to France. But also, she had to learn the French language because in French, the application had to be filled out in French. And so <laughs> she learned the French language. And about two years later, she sailed to France. And uh, she was able to get into one of the schools uh, and in France. And I'll get to the name of the school in a minute. <laughs> OK. But. Uh, she was accepted in the uh, Caldron Brothers School of Aviation in Le Cretard, France. And she received an international pilot's license in January the 15th, 1921, from the Federation of Aeronautical International Engineers. So, and what she did, she uh, came back to America and she began uh, to do exhibitions, she began to do air shows, and she would do the loops, she would do the uh, figure eights in the airplane, and she did that for several years, and she taught other black people, you know, aviation and how to become pilots.
and eventually she was able to get her own plane. And uh, what happened in a freak accident, when we were testing her plane, she lost her life in that accident. And, uh, but the point is that even during that time, she understood that in the, you can be what you want to be. Don't give up the fight. And uh, she lost her life, I think, it was 1930. But in 1977, it was uh, African-American women pilots. They found that the uh, Bessie Coleman Aviators Club in honor of her. So we'd just like to give honor to Bessie Coleman <laughs> at this time. And I thank my wife, but she don't want to do it. Okay. <laughs> Joey, thank you. Can I ask you one, one thing? Yeah. I, I, I so appreciated when I read your paper, which you were uh, the subject of your paper, was basically uh, debunking the idea or addressing the illegitimacy of the idea of racism on biblical grounds. Can you just yes, uh, speak to that for a moment? It's based on the second chapter of Ephesians. And uh, the second chapter of Ephesians said that the wall of petition was never black and white. The wall of petition was Jew and Gentile, okay? <laughs> A Gentile were anybody that were not Jewish. And that wall was broken down by death on the cross. Okay. And part of what I addressed in the paper, uh, I'd like to say this without offense to anyone. I'm not somebody because I'm a black person, okay? I don't worship at the altar of black pride. And just like you don't worship at the altar of white pride or white supremacy. Mm -hmm. But I'm somebody because of the blood of Christ. And we are one in Christ, okay? And uh, what it is, part of that paper also was, you can prove it by science. Acts 17 and 26 said we one race, okay? <laughs> We're all the same blood. And the stat I quoted in the paper was that 44% of white people that's not mixed with no race, uh, a positive blood type, okay? 17% of Nigerian people not mixed with no other race have the A positive blood type. And <laughs> by the way, I'm an A positive, I'm mixed with some everybody. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> but, uh, but I said that they said we're one blood, we're all the same. We had the same genes, come from the same gene pool, and we're all distant cousins. I'm cousin to everybody mm -hmm. in here, I'm somebody cousin. Mm -hmm. <laughs> okay. And one of the beautiful parts of your testimony, Joey, that has always touched me, and even in one of our recent chats, it brought you to tears, was the moment that the Lord Jesus, soon after your conversion, actually spoke to you a living word that you heard, yes. and it created a transformation. Do you, do you mind? Sure. Uh, I went in the Navy, and uh, in 1970, up to 1970, you can only be a cook in the Navy. They were the last branch to desegregate. And Admiral Zumwalt changed that. And from Sabine on, you could be anything you wanted to be in the Navy. Now, the law changed, but people's heart didn't change. So being in the Navy, now my parents didn't teach me this, but I learned to hate white people in the Navy. And I hated white people with a passion because it was a double standard. You had to do more. And then uh, I remember, I won't save during this time in the Navy. I got saved my last year in the Navy. But right before I got saved, with this black guy who always wanted to witness to me, we were laughing and scorn. And for six months, I would read the Bible, couldn't understand it. And finally, this girl witnessed to me. I had been in church all my life and never heard of the new birth. Mm. And the night before I went to uh, get saved, I got put out a 7-Eleven call. We were hard on the alcohol. White policemen put me out of 7-Eleven. You know, I would call names by other people that passed by the road. But I remember getting saved on Wednesday night, 1978, October 28th. And the next day I went to the beer section. And I was going to get a beer, and the Holy Spirit spoke two things to me. He said, you saved, don't do that no more. And then amazing, just out of nowhere, I've been saved two days. 
He said, you can't hate white people no more. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and that took me by surprise. So I quit hating white people. <laughs> okay. I love everybody. <laughs> wow. Thank you, Joey. We Amen. love you so much. We do. Amen. Do you know, Joey, would you just pray again a blessing? A, a kind of even a kind of father's blessing on okay. us and on all the folks that are watching and and on our our nation on our generation okay it was one more thing i'd like to say that before we pray that we should never judge nobody according to the color of the skin and neither should we infantilize a race and you look the word infantilize where they make them feel like they feel like they you know little children that they can't make it on their own because I don't care what you call it, y'all, you can make it on your own. And uh, Father, in the name of Jesus, we just pray for your will to be done, that you will restore the family units in the African-American community, in all communities, that the family unit will be restored, and that we will rise up and we pray for renewal and revival, and that the black pastors will stand up and proclaim the word of God and preach the gospel. Father, and we ask you to forgive the black pastors that have followed the spirit of the Antichrist, or any pastor that have followed the spirit of the Antichrist that would keep our people in bondage. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Joey. You're welcome. Pastor. Amen. That was beautiful. Thank you so much. I remember before coming to the United States, I was asked by a school founded by Baptist to be the, had some of the highest uh, numbers. Uh, when I graduated, I had a, took a senior Cambridge exam and came about number 13 out of 2 million. So it wasn't, that's pretty, I was pretty good in math and was asked to teach this. But all my, all my students, there were about nearly 40 of them, were Africans. And I found them the most brilliant. It was, I found out they just had not been taught in the right principle. And then as I taught, I found them so amazing. And so I was, when I came to the U.S., I, one of the things I missed was my, all my students. And they were so diligent and hardworking. A lot of them had come had an opportunity to go to school. Some of them had never had a chance to go to school. And they would come to Mombasa, where I was, from all the different areas of the Kenya. And they were doing it not only for themselves, but their families. But these were some of the most brilliant young men I found out. But anyway, one of the scriptures, uh, I think we'll end this script with this scripture, but uh, it's in... Deuteronomy uh, chapter 6, verse 6 onwards. But it says, And these words which I command you today, this is the Lord speaking, shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand. They shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. You see how much the Lord held at value and told us how pre precious his word is to really do everything you possibly can to make it your personal possession. Become one with God's word. Become one with his promises become one with his instructions, and become one with his wisdom. And this, was, this instruction came basically to all the men, and I would tell all the fathers, and he specifically told the fathers, make this word your own possession. Make it close to your heart, and teach it therefore then diligently. Say diligently. Diligently. So it's not a by the way thing. That, that's the, one of the primary things that you teach your child as he grows up. Yeah. 
as sons and daughters. And you feel, I feel lamentations sometimes because I remember what for me, what a precious memory it was to teach my African students. And I grew to love them over the year and, um, and they were became brilliant students. And I had to teach them, but I had to be committed. And I was so much in love with them that, and I had been born again just a couple of years before. So I guess it was very real and it kind of became personally to me. But that uh, we are, as we look at some of the things that are happening in the large cities, for example, in Chicago and how these, because there has been fatherlessness, these guys, young men, 15, 16, 17, 18, are really orphans out there, or at least fatherless. And therefore, they have not been diligently taught the word of God. They have not been fathered and parented. And therefore, they're just wandering out there. And so one of the things that we need to pray is truly revival of fatherhood. And that in all segments of our society, in every major city here, and I pray in other nations where it's necessary, that the Holy Spirit will come. And among the outpouring of the Holy Spirit and impartation of the Holy Ghost, that there will be a passionate love for the Word of God that's part of the heritage that Bonnie and I carry. We were around Brother Derek Prince for more than 22 years and almost fellowship with him many almost daily, uh, year after year, and learned to love the Word of God and became very close to the Word of God. And that's part of what we pray in this new legislation that's coming. And for Florida, that it would not just be Florida, but all over this land, the Lord would pour out His Spirit Mm -hmm. and give a tremendous affection for the Word of God. And that they would diligently then, we would want to teach that and show our children the awesome love that we have for the Word of God. When, for me, what happened when I got the baptism of the Holy Spirit, especially, was I became so passionate for the Word of God that I would literally buy different dictionaries and commentaries, and I would stay up for days and at nights, like W. Vine's Expository Dictionary, of New Testament words, I, w- I would study it all night long, and it would be so exciting. And you say, there's something wrong with you, that you love a dictionary. But the passionate love for the Word of God, may we, in this wave of outpouring, may the Lord restore fatherhood to this nation. And may part of it be also for all these fathers that they become lovers of the Word of God. And as you love the Word, automatically it's almost like you absorb the wisdom of God and conduct yourself in such a way that your children, and you see the Lord's glory, His grace affect that life. And so there's a divine impartation from the Lord to the Father and from the Father the child. I'm thinking of the generations of tradition in the uh, Jewish community of whenever a new household or a new family is established, the father of the household together with his rabbi will hang the mezuzah on the door. And it has, the point of that is the fulfillment of what scripture said that they should Uh, remember the word of the Lord in their hearts, in their minds, on their hands, and put it on the, you know, post it on their doorposts. And so the mezuzah contains a scroll of scripture, but it's there as a reminder and as a symbol 
for the family members going in and out of the house that the word of God stands above everything else, not only to protect and bless us, but also to give us light and to guide us. And in that uh, very um, context, Malachi, the scripture that we all you know, sing and say and, and remember so much uh, about the turning the hearts of the fathers to the children, that prophetic declaration actually begins with remember the word of God. Remember the word of God that I commanded Israel with statutes and judgments. I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And he will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to their fathers. Lest I come and strike the earth with a curse. And, you know, pastors, you've been reminding us this morning that we see in these places in our societies where fatherhood is absent, eventually curses come and come in such a way to kill, steal, and destroy. Why? Because that essential place of God-fearing, God-serving men it is vacant there. And in that way, so often the wall of the family and the wall of the children is broken down and the enemy comes to destroy. Is so this, you know, going back to your, you, you have a, a unique anointing for recognizing certain news stories actually that literally are a kind of voice a prophetic voice speaking to us and I I think that it's uh, in the river of the Holy Spirit and his yearning to restore that this uh, event occurred in the Florida legislature specifically aimed at fathers as just a beginning step to redirect um, the flow of the society and begin restoring families, and particularly uh, in the African-American community, which is absolutely vital. So we live in a, in a wonderful and powerful and potentially difficult time. You know, when Jesus was speaking to his disciples about the children, which is something that we prayed about on Friday, because it turns out that the whole COVID thing has come down to whether or not people are recognizing the value and importance of our children and the, the dynamic of how COVID has been managed has ultimately harmed this whole generation because of what's happened this last two years uh, as a result of these men. Well, what was missing there? The spirit of fatherhood. And I submit to you, one of the evils that is entrenched in our society is the bureaucracy, the unelected bureaucracies, because we see again and again, there is no expression of a biblical spirit of fatherhood in those responsibilities yeah. the way they're carried out. It was typified in one of the incidents that was on video and a lot of people, it was on the news, and they saw uh, this incident taking place right in front of our eyes of a father appealing to the school board yeah. on behalf of his children. And he was so concerned, and he talked about some of the issues, and they had the police come mm -hmm. and physically manhandle him and drag him out. And it, it just so was so eloquently describing our present-day challenges of the spirit of either mm -hmm. communism, Marxism, whatever. Antichrist. Antichrist coming against the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And part of that outpouring is reviving yeah. fatherhood yeah. and motherhood too. But one of the things I realized was we one of the few times we speak on fatherhood is on Father's Day, and then one of the few days we speak of motherhood is on Mother's Day, and that's it. And then we don't talk about it. And I realize it's important for us to look at this and the reality of it. The final thought I just wanted to share is in Luke uh, chapter fifteen, 
And some other time we may look at the story itself in detail. But it's a story of the prodigal son. But what's uh, wonderful about that, the principle, one of the main principles of that is that this son turns out to be a rascal. But we find that in our young days, especially when you're 15, 16, 17, 18, the... 30. Yeah. <laughs> but besides getting the gift of the Holy Spirit, the other thing, if you don't get the Holy Spirit, you get the gift of stupid. And and you do the stupidest, dumbest things that a lot of kids have been caught up doing silly things and stupid things that now these days there are laws against it and they can be incarcerated. But the example for us is the father of this prodigal son. And the example is there that never, 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 never give up on your sons yeah. and your daughters because God's promises they're going to prophesy. Yeah. And so we need to keep praying for them. And may, the, may they have plenty of chances to recover because these very powerful mischief makers may rise up to be great servants of God, may be anointed to do great things. The heart of the gospel, Jesus said, I have come to reveal the Father. So it is literally the cosmic interruption of the birth, the life, the death, the resurrection of Jesus was literally to recapture the heart of human beings, of the human race, and reintroduce the human race to our Father, His Father, our Father in heaven. That's the gospel. So... I want you to just stand up for a moment, if you don't mind. And uh, if you can think of a young man or a young woman, because this damages, I've heard a testimony, the most moving testimonies of a wonderful uh, black uh, high school graduate. And uh, she had was summer come summer come louder when she had a graduate with great honors but she was testifying she's at her graduation where she received the award she said father where are you you were supposed to be here i have not seen you for years mm. and my heart is breaking because my father was not there to say, well done, daughter. Mm. And that mattered to me more than anybody. There are many who congratulate, but where are you, Father? Where were you when your daughter grew up and did her best? So it is something that really con- convicts us that may there be a restoration. Yeah. And I want, if you Amen. think of someone out there who needs a blessing, they've gone away from the Lord's teachings, they'll give it into drugs or they'll give it in. Just, I, I want you to raise your hand if they're, they're just God's grace needs to come over them. And, uh, Thank those you, of you who are raising hands, if you're near those people, just put your hand on their their shoulders if you're there. And we, huh? Thank you, Jesus. Yeah. yeah Lord. We are agreeing with you. Thank you, Lord Jesus. In the name of Jesus. We thank you, Lord. And pray in tongues over them. May the Holy Spirit today go and those watching us on the internet. We agree with you also that these people, these sons and daughters will be restored to God be restored to their mothers and their fathers. Lord, we release forgiveness for them and tell them 
that spirit of encouragement over them yes. and tell them they can make it. That they, the, the God, will of God for them is life, long life and blessing. May they grow up themselves to be fathers and mothers. Yes, Father, Lord. blessings. We send blessings over these families, Lord. And we pray deliverance where the drugs have taken over. Father, break the yoke of addiction. Break the yoke of criminal behavior. Break every bad relationships where they have substituted gangs instead of relationship with their parents and their mother and father. Come, Lord. Yes, heal Lord Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Yes, Lord. We thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Jesus, your word says in Psalm 27:10, where father or mother forsake you, I, the Lord, will take you up. And so we do pray, even Jesus, as the parable of the prodigal son and the father watching every day for the return and the re embracing and the restoration of that son. Lord, we ask for an outpouring of your spirit on our nation today. We pray that in all of the unrest and all of the turmoil that's happening, we pray, come Holy Spirit and water again the seeds of fatherhood and make them flourish like a tree and produce good and godly fruit for a next yes, generation. Lord. Come Lord, into these vacuums we ask for a visitation and a genuine revival of the Lord Jesus, of the gospel, of the word of God, and the spirit of fatherhood in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. Amen. Make it so, Lord. Make it so. Amen. Holy angels, Thank we you. appoint you to corral these young men and women. Thank you, Lord. Tell them God has not Thank given you, up Lord. on them. And there is hope. There is Jesus. restoration. There is healing. Thank you, Jesus. In the name of Jesus, every spirit of Thank oppression you, Lord. be bound from them in Jesus' name. Jesus. Let them rise up, delivered from every spirit of violence and depression. Where they're giving up on school, Lord, bring them back. May they be able to get not only the high school, but the college even. Let there be restoration in a mighty way. Your promise there in Joel and in the book of Acts, I will restore. I will restore. Lord, your promise, you will restore yes, these young Lord. men and women. Yes, in Jesus' God. name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Say, thank you, Lord. Thank you. Lord. Hallelujah. Praise God. Give him a big clap offering. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you enjoyed this message. To order more great resources by Mahesh and Bonnie Chavda, visit us at chavdaministries.org. For a full catalog of our products, you can call us at 1-800-730-6264. God bless you.